0: All right. Hi. Um, Welcome back to conversation um, number two, our second conversation for the Three Sides to Every Adoption. Um, I'm Sarah Easterly. I'm an adoptee and I'm joined by Kelsey (laughs) Ranyard. Sorry, Kelsey. It's a mouthful. (laughs) Kelsey Vander Vliet, Ranyard, birth parent, and Lori Holden, who's an adoptive parent. Welcome, both of you, and hi. Hi, Sarah. This is the second of our three three sides conversations. And um, what was great is we got feedback from the first one that we did last week on names and naming newborns. And so um, we wanted to address what's kind of an elephant in the room. Um, and that is, why are we talking together? Um, there, were some, there was some feedback that was, that was good. It, you know, we, we welcome the feedback um, because it points to what's needed. Um, and maybe what's not needed too. So in some cases, so it uh, it kind of forces us to listen and do what we um, kind of practice what we say we're about and that's the listening and hearing each other. And um, so we thought we'd just talk through that. Um, three sides, these three sides, um, you know, there's some who take issue with uh, the term even triad because there are more than just these three sides to adoption, so we recognize that for sure. We're, we're part of the constellation, but um, historically, adoptees and birth parents haven't really had a voice um, and haven't been uh, the key drivers in adoption, of course, um, for birth parents it's a very vulnerable moment um, to become a birth parent, a vulnerable situation. And so it may not feel like you have a choice. And for adoptees, of course, um, most of, well, in the cases we're talking about, I don't wanna get into foster care right now, but um, for infant adoption there or very young children being adopted, there's no choice. It's before we have a, a say in the matter. Um, and others are deciding what happens for us. So we thought we'd address why the three of us are talking and why we think it's important for um, others in the in this triad. We will say triad for this conversation, keep talking. So um, I can start or I can bounce it over to you, Kelsey, Lori, or Lori, yeah.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to start by saying it's really, easy for an adoptive parent to answer the question, why listen to adoptees and birth parents? And we are lauded for doing so. And we are rewarded for doing so because it helps us better function as the power center of the adoption triad. Um, so my answer is very easy. It makes me a better mom, a better um a better person when I understand the other perspectives. Now, I think you two have a lot more complexity in your answer, why would you listen to other people? So I'll ask you that.
2: Um, For me, I think I'm kind of, we're kind of, so like, I don't know if isolated is the right word, but we kind of are an isolated part of the triad because we don't, we're not there every day. Um, we're kind of off to the side. And so there's a lot about the other two sides that are very unknown for us. And we are also very unknown to the other two sides oftentimes. So I think for me, I wanna better understand my child who I don't don't know very well um, as they're growing up. I have an open adoption. But that doesn't mean I'm there every day. I don't. I have a child that I parent and a child that I place, and I don't know my child that I place nearly as much as I know the child that I parent every day. Um. So yeah, that's that's part of it. I want to understand. I also want to play. My title is birth parent, so I want to play the part of a parent as much as it's appropriate for me to, um, as much as I'm needed to. So, it, because I'm a birth parent, I'm—I it's an adult role um, with and it comes with responsibility. And so, I want to listen to adoptees for that reason, um, so that I can play my role in the way that I'm needed to. And then also, um, why I listen to adoptive parents as well is I want to better understand my child's parents, and I don't. Um, I I want it to be a a positive, healthy relationship with them because I think that when we have positive relationships um, stretching across from birth parent to adoptive parent, that um, is a good thing for our children. And um, also just as human beings, I want to understand both sides as well. Um, I I think that's always healthy. To um, recognize the humanity that each of us carry.
1: So,
2: you know, Kelsey, in all my
1: years of being in adoption world, I have never really understood that point that you brought up first about one of the about being kind of in the margins of things and wanting to um, become included. I think that's so profound.
2: Yeah it's it's a little it's a little weird. I think I started noticing too when I. I started building like um, for work. I started building a database of like therapists for birth moms because it's so hard to find them. And I would go and they would say, "We have adoption therapy and stuff," but it was for the adoptee and the adoptive family. (laughs) And so I'm like, "There's a lot of things. That's just one aspect, but there's a lot of things that kind of put us on the outside looking in." Um, And and you know, that's the if that's my role, that's my role. Um, but to better understand, you do have to listen, so.
0: Thank you for sharing that, that that's, that's really meaningful to me too. And I'm thinking about you too, being a second generation adoptee, um, and there's probably um, insight you get as well, <laughs> thinking about your parent who was yeah. an adoptee and how that affected the way you were raised, I'm sure. I know.
2: Yeah. Sarah, do you want to explain things. that term just so people know? Because I had never heard of it until you said something.
0: I will. And um, I can't remember if we got in the comfort. I mean, I think, I, I think I've, I first heard the term through Ostrid Castro. Um, and she's tells the story that her, her daughter made that term up. So I think there's discrepancy. On, okay. I mean, I've heard other people say maybe it's not second, generation adoptee, maybe that means something else. But anyway, the way I take it is that <laughs> my children are second generation adoptees. I as the adoptee, now they they are not adoptees. They're biological to me, but they are second generation because they are coming from an adoptee. Um, they're offspring of an adoptee.
2: And yeah, that would be- I guess I would be a third generation then. <laughs> Because it's like my dad's an adoptee, and then his birth mom is an adoptee as well.
0: Right, that kind of blows <laughs> your mind too. Like, how does that? Yeah,
2: yeah. You're
0: you're well in the adoption constellation.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I will answer that that question of why um, why talk to adoptive parents and to birth parents? Um, because I know. Um, I know sometimes there are even questions of of that or from other adoptees, um, and there's a, there's several reasons. I think um, I think one of them is I really like helping, um, <laughs> you know. And some of that's probably some there's probably some adoption uh, residue there that makes me want to be a helper um, and help. But I think of um, things I didn't grow up with when I was a young adoptee. And things being information, um, you know, there was there there weren't there wasn't an ability, you know, and this is gonna date me, make me sound like I'm old fashioned and as my kids would say, but there wasn't an ability for adopt for this for anyone to just make a video and upload it and give information. There wasn't there weren't very many books. There wasn't the history to look at mental health and how that affects adoptees for the long term. Um, advice that was given, you know, nobody knew that it was a social experiment. It was just an experiment. And now we know. And so I want to help, um, future generations of adoptees in whatever way that is. So, um, you know, I don't always like what I see in adoption. There have been a lot of, um, practices that are very unethical. Um, and, um, and that dates way back, um, that doesn't to me mean all adoption um, is unethical. And so I'm able to see, see the both. And in the meantime, we have adoption here and there are human adoptees growing up in families where they need, they need support. And so I like, being able to help that and offer offer my opinions um, and my thoughts. I'm just one adoptee, so I don't have all the answers, um, and I don't represent all adoptees and all perspectives and all experiences, but um, where it can be helpful, I'd like to help. Um, I said this in the last episode, but it's really healing to be in um, community when it's not personal. So... Kelsey, you're not my birth mom and <laughs> Lori, you're not my adoptive mom. And so um, if, if things come up, it just doesn't feel personal. Um, we had something the other day where we were talking about therapy and I, got, I had some heat. <laughs> mm. And I, you know said that and what I really appreciated is if that were in a personal family situation, I could see that being an instant like family drama. and it was like, it it didn't feel personal in any way. What what you said, Lori, and then I hope when the way I said it reacted with heat didn't, hopefully didn't feel personal either. And so there's this healing component that we can have real conversations about things and um, just talk about these issues when it's not talking about the people specifically, we're not talking about each other. We're talking about the issues. Um, So it would, yeah, it's, that just feels really healing and it feels healing to be in community with um when I see it's inspiring it's inspiring it would be like putting um you know a a a very strong democrat and a very strong republican in a room and you know it's it it can these conversations are so so political and can get so heated um And so it is healing to be able to have those conversations and it heals a part of me that like, maybe I couldn't do that in the past for any number of reasons. Um, But, oh, that's the adoptive parents perspective. That's the birth parents perspective. I hadn't been, I was either too afraid to ask, or it was too politically volatile or too uncomfortable, too shaming to ask that. But I get to ask it here and I get to like heal a little part of my my wounded soul, my woundedness—that those wounded parts that are always going to be there—but like just kind of chunking away at. Oh, that 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 felt good to hear that, <laughs> or I see it in a new way, and that feels good.
1: I think there's so much in um, the world of adoption that's comes from misunderstandings and assumptions that come out of those misunderstandings. And we had we had this in the therapy talk conversation we talked about. And um when you leave a misunderstanding without finding clarification or some kind of resolution and then you base your forward path on that misunderstanding, you can just see how it's like going to go to the wrong you're pointed in the wrong direction. So you're going to go in a place that maybe not be um the whole picture. So I, I think that's part of what I get from listening to the two of you and other birth parents and other adoptees is i it helps me resolve and check my own understanding and have develop a practice of checking for misunderstanding because if i'm making assumptions um i'm likely wrong <laughs> and i don't want to act on those assumptions that are wrong with my child especially with my children
0: can i ask you lori um about there is often an assumption that adoptees are angry and i think we get labeled as angry adoptees and often written off and discounted if if we're angry and so that's why i appreciated that i could have some heat the other day and you still you didn't hang up (laughs) we were still in conversation but can you speak to that generalization and um i guess what it means to like how you how you can still listen even when we get angry. I mean, maybe that's good. Good for other adoptive parents or good for any of us who are dealing with someone who's angry. How do you keep listening?
1: Yeah. Anger is an emotion that I think a lot of people want to um, not feel. And, um, what I found (laughs) one, one of the buzzwords that's come out of my podcast that I, from listening to other guests is do your own work. People specifically aimed at adoptive parents, the more we can do our work and, um, be okay with these big emotions that our children have, the more we can sit with their big emotions and let them have them. So I have been trying to do that work of being able to sit with anger without reacting to it, definitely without reacting and then responding, which is more of a conscious choice in a way that best serves who who I'm talking, who I'm with. And it's hard it's really hard and i do see that um that assumption that adoptees are angry and you know i i also see that they're not and so to make a sweeping generalization about any group of us is not helpful it's a shortcut and it makes your deal you know your reactions to things really easy because if all adoptees are angry, then I know what to do when I get hit with an angry adoptee, I block them, I do whatever, but there's nuance in there. And what else am I blocking that I, that I do want to come through to make my decisions better? So um, I just like, I, I just don't, you know, a lot of people say my adoptive parent was bad. So all adoptive parents are bad. And I get that if you don't feel safe with an adoptive parent, your own adoptive parent, you can't afford to be accessible to other adoptive parents. I get that. But it's as untrue to say about adoptive parents being narcissists or control freaks or whatever it is. Some are, some aren't. Some are Even the ones that are, are not probably not always like that. They have their triggers and their reactions. And um, so I, I just think the more we can deal in the nuance and the complexity. Um, for the situation that is in front of us, and not the assumptions that we bring into it, um, the more benefit we can get out of it. But that's a luxury because that means that you've you're feeling safe in the situation.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. The safety is a really good point, and that came up um, that came up a little bit uh, last week uh, for sure in our in response to the last video. Um, Kelsey, question for you. Um, the other day we were, when we were kind of figuring out what this topic would be, we were talking about how um, the dilemma, and you touched on this too. I mean, there aren't uh, as many birth parents in conversation. Um, and what's, how do we get, how do we get, how do we address that? I mean, is it addressable and why, and how can we get get more birth parents in the conversation, I know you do a lot of work in that that arena, so you you have you see more. But how do we
2: get them more visible? Yeah, I think it. I you know I think first and foremost it starts from the uh, you know the field of adoption, um, and how they how they're even how they even come to this. Um, in the first place, how you know whoever they call <laughs> to help with their adoption. Um, it has a huge impact on, you know, how they how they're going to end up viewing their decision, how they're going to end up um, being supported after their decision, if at all. And so I think the support, you know, has to start obviously in pregnancy, but when it doesn't, it's really hard to get those women in, um, you know, our orbit for community. And so, I see women like last year. I remember I, this happened several times, but one sticks out to me because she's from my hometown, and we had mutual friends. And she placed ten years ago, and I placed uh, almost six years ago now. And um, I had found a support group the same year I placed. Not any help with my professional, but I just sought it out and. Uh, but there was more like online and stuff where you could google things and versus 10 years ago it might have been a little tougher but she was like I didn't even know like like they didn't she didn't even know her title like that she was a birth mom like no one ever told her that's what this is like that's what you become when you do this thing so like She didn't know that she didn't know that there was a support group, which we connected her with and everything, but like, she just, she had no idea people are like leaving the hospital without information. And so then when that happens, it's a whole lot harder to get those birth parents to come and talk or to even like have understanding of what they went through and how it's going to affect them and their child, you know, for the rest of their lives. So that is a hard thing, though. Like, it's kind of like the million-dollar question here. Like, how do we get more birth parents to speak out? And I think number one, they have to feel supported. They have to be. Um, they. I, it seems like it kind of seems to me like which came first, the chicken or the egg? When we're like, she has to feel understood before she speaks out. But in order to understand them, you have to listen to them. So it is kind of. Um, it's kind of a hard thing, but I think more and more uh, just with the internet, women feel more compelled to speak out, but we do tend to notice like my podcast um, partner, Ashley and I, we talk about this quite a bit too. Uh, We do tend to notice women will come out, talk about it, be in conversation for a couple of years, maybe like a year to three years. And then they're kind of like Okay, I'm done now. Whatever reason it that, you know, caused her to do that whether it was good or bad, whether it's acceptance or you know, um backlash or whatever, they kind of just fizzle after a few years and I'm not really sure if there's one reason to attribute to that, but yeah.
1: What what you make me think of Kelsey is a safe space is key. You're calling it su- supported, and yeah, when they feel safe, when people feel safe, they can speak out more vulnerably. Mm-hmm. And if, um, I mean, one of the, um, what, the that you've mentioned before, one of the um, vulnerabilities that a that a birth parent has in speaking out online is what effect will that have on their child's adoptive parents, and what kind of sense self censoring do they have to do in order to retain access to their child
2: yeah and you know it's also they have a whole other community in their life but if they do speak out online there's always that fear that someone from um, your family is gonna see it or something and it's not to say that every adoptee is a secret because they're not and and it's obviously a lot more common now to you know share about your experience but there are still people that um like I don't talk to about my adoption they know it's like we we know that they know but I don't want their opinion I don't want their comments so that's another thing if I see a lot of people make separate accounts for them to be in like a support group online or for them to have like an Instagram account where they talk about their experience because they don't want to share that with certain people in their life. So yeah, it's got to be a safe space.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I value what we're doing here. And we're trying to kind of share that um, safety feeling um, by doing these videos, put this out in the world, that it, it can happen where we can have real conversations, get into real issues, share our vulnerabilities, and come away with better understanding. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And then go out and be better to each other. So
2: that'd be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's my utopia,
1: my adoption utopia. <laughs>
0: it is well and uh, everything is so siloed these days and so many different areas i mean adoption is one area but um so the practice for other areas <laughs> it's good too right i mean like we this is what we need more of is this is this um being able to hear listen and hear and stay in conversation
2: yeah yeah i will say that like there are things about There are are aspects about community with just birth moms that I get so much healing from. And some of my best friends over the years are birth moms now because we just seem to understand each other on a different level. But then there are other times where it's like that's too small of a bubble and I need to take myself out of that to gain a broader perspective, get um, maybe advice even in my own adoption triads that like, I'm not going to get from birth moms. Sometimes too, you have you run the risk of like you're in that close knit group. Like we kind of can enable each other to do things that are kind of destructive. And um, so it's important to listen to other sides just for that reason. So you're not constantly being enabled or enabling others. Like you're you have a level head um, and second and third opinions.
1: Yeah, checks and balances are in place.
0: I'm so yeah. glad you said that and the same is true in the adoptee communities. I I have a number of them, all just adoptees. And it's, I, I would echo everything you just said, um, with regards to the adoptee communities. I am so thankful for my <laughs> adoptee only spaces, um, yeah. where you can just say what you need to say. And you've got, even if you've got the different experiences, um, with, you know, I'm in, um, writing groups with, uh, that for adoptee voices with adoptees who, yeah um male adoptees late discovery adoptees transnational transracial um, so many different and yet we still have we're like oh you get together and there's just this common common understanding um and and it is really good to also be in other spaces and i have this community i also have um community through adoption mosaic where I'm, i'm together with other other representatives adoptive parents and birth parents and it it's really good to just Go back and forth between these communities and see the differences. Yeah. And just not um, yeah, I mean it would it would be really fun to stay just in the adoptees in the adopte, adoptee world too. Um, but it's it's a different thing that that you get when you're in in a, in these cross communities with other with a others. perfect
1: example of the both and having both your tribe and your the you know and also cross cross tribes
0: yes because you get something from different different from each yeah yeah Yeah. both and (laughs) yeah well is there anything else we wanted we want to cover anything else to say about why why we why we talk why 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 should we any any additional thoughts that we haven't touched on Kelsey
1: or Lori Better understanding means like less toxicity and who doesn't want less toxicity these days. So I would like to, you know, I just want to always invite people to let us know what else um, we might want to talk about your take on what we've said today. What did we miss? What did we get right? Um, you know, the, we're, we're listening. That That's what we want to, that's what we're doing. We're listening.
0: We're listening. And it may not always be the three of us either. We've been talking about um, we, we, you know, We are three, I just want to call it white people, white women. We have generational generations represented. Um, Kelsey as a millennial and myself as Gen X. And Lori, I- I Okay, boomer. boomer. Yeah, I know. I can't believe you're a boomer. You don't seem like a boomer. But- we've got some generational yeah we've got the we've got some generations represented we don't and we've got open and closed adoption represented we don't have transracial adoption represented we don't have transnational adoption intercountry adoption representatives represented so bringing in other perspectives is something that we we like to do um and we will that will be coming as well in other ways. So, but yeah, please do comment, let us know um, what, what else you'd like to hear us talk about. And uh, <laughs> I think we have a whole long list going as well. So um, we'll keep at them.
1: Great, thank you. Thanks for leading us, Sarah. Okay, take care.